You're listening to Juicy Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Bacigalupo, and in this episode, I'll be speaking with Cleo Goodman of The Melting Pot in Edinburgh. And what's amazing about The Melting Pot is, first of all, it is unto itself an amazing social impact-oriented co-working space, which just has that magic. It just has that community vibe, that energy of being something really special. But beyond that, they're taking what they're doing and they're really extending it beyond the physical space. They have a co-working accelerator network. They're helping a bunch of other people start and grow their spaces. And they just released an impact report. And so we're gonna get into that and some of the other things that they are working on in this conversation. So glad that I got to just record this and have this conversation because the folks at Melting Pot are really doing something special. And I think there's a lot that other folks can learn from what they've been up to. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Cleo Goodman of The Melting Pot in this juicy podcast, episode 31. Cleo, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to have you representing Melting Pot and all of the associated programs you guys are working on. Uh, thanks for joining. Of course, thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about the Melting Pot and kind of the cool stuff that you guys do. I know that you're working on a few really exciting projects. Give us kind of a high level overview. Yeah, of course. Uh, so the melting pot is really three things. So we have uh, the melting pot, which is uh, Scotland Centre for Social Innovation. We were the first co-working space in Scotland, and uh, yeah, our co-working community is a diverse bunch. We are largely focused on, or we're best at supporting people who are working in the field of social innovation. So basically, that's just anything that makes makes the world a better place. That is an innovative approach to to improving the quality of life that we have. And, um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's not just people who are working for charities and social enterprises. It's also a variety of people running their own businesses that are freelancing. Um, yeah, so we're, we're a tight knit community in the center of Edinburgh, which is Scotland's capital. We also run Good Ideas, which is an incubation program for people with socially innovative ideas. Uh, we take them through a kind of process. It starts with a weekend looking at their idea and then um, goes into six month, months of support of, um, kind of workshops that cover everything that you need to, to run a successful organization and all of those guys are running kind of charities campaigns or social enterprises and the last thing we do is we run the co-working accelerator which is um, kind of uses the 12 years of running the mountain pot to um, put together a, a framework of co-working and uh, a successful co-working methodology uh, of, it helps people find success with running a co-working business probably slightly quicker than we did with all the stumbling blocks that we found across the way. But um, we think it's really important to, to learn from each other with, with things like that. So that's what we're trying to share there. Amazing. And how did you end up as a part of this organization in the first place? Um, so I straight up just applied for a job. <laughs> um, I saw it listed on uh, yeah, my job site when I, was, when I was looking for something. My first permanent job after university and um, yeah, I remember looking at the website and just thinking that looks like a cool place full of cool people, all the smiling faces, uh, talk about community, kind of all the lofty, amazing, aspirational, like altruistic stuff that people were doing. Um, so I just came across it quite naturally, came across the job and thought, yeah, quite fancy working there. 
I imagine that that must have felt very refreshing for you uh, in the job search. It must have stood out, just the language, the imagery, that kind of a vibe. Yeah, it definitely did. So um, I'd studied chemistry at university and I'd spent quite a lot of time looking for jobs in that industry and got a bit jaded, to be honest. Like it just didn't feel kind of ethically it jarred with me. So um, so I changed tacts and um, ended up working for, a, for another charity, uh, doing events and things like that. And, uh, and then, yeah, when that contract came to an end, I was looking for something permanent. I realized that working for charities is something that I was interested in. And uh, I came across the melting pot that way. Uh, and yeah, it was just, it felt like a really genuine community. And I think even, even at university, I hadn't found that kind of community. And, you know, even in my interview in that stressful kind of situation, I still felt quite relaxed and quite at home. I felt like I was around nice people that wanted good things for me, uh, which is, yeah, I think a testament to it in, in an interview situation. So I heard y'all put out a impact report. Can you tell me a little bit about that? We did. Yeah. So uh, last year we did a big survey for all of our members to, to gauge the, the social impact of, um, of co-working at the Mountain Pot. So with the work that we were doing with the co-working accelerator, I guess we wanted to have a bit of data to, to back up the way that we approach co-working, the kind of methodology that we use. And um, yeah, it's a really interesting project. So I kind of put together the survey and uh, yeah, did it in a couple of iterations, kind of working with our members to understand a little bit of the groundwork of, of what they they see as the, the impact the melting pot has on them and then put that into a survey and, and sent that around. And uh, yeah, really interesting results. So it kind of it looks to us like co-working the way that we do it has the potential to increase equality and particularly gender equality. We found that um, we had double the national average of female founders here at the Melting Pot, which is a really like quite a stark, exciting statistic there. So it kind of looks like the way that, you know, the community that we have uh, female entrepreneurs and uh, led businesses kind of kind of thrive here. Uh, we also found that people's well-being was supported through co-working. So people told us, you know, in the sort of um, qualitative bits, they, they talked a lot about their own mental health and that kind of wasn't brought up in the survey. So I think that shows the, the impact that co-working can have on people's well-being. And um, we also found that it helps people generate impact in general. So not just our own social impact, but all of the people that are working with us are able to be more effective because of working together. And um, we saw a lot of collaborations. 42% of our members have worked with each other on a project. And um, 100% of those people who had collaborated said they were happy with the results. And the results were things like jobs and opportunities and revenue. So um, yeah, all really important to their businesses that are making more impact like hopefully with a bit of support from us, which is, yeah, exciting for us. Amazing. And in the course of doing that, how, how much work was it to put it together? Because y'all put together a pretty nice looking report with a fair number of statistics. Mm -hmm. Extremely mm -hmm. intensive or not as bad as I would think or what? Yeah, it was an interesting process. I think it was a big project, right? Like um, putting the questions together is, was could have been an endless task, thinking about what we wanted to ask people Um I came up with probably 10, 15 different iterations of the questions, but now we've settled on that and um, have done the surveying process once. We've kind of learned from that a lot. So I think collecting the data, collecting the raw data probably is a, is a project, but now we've done it once. I think it will be a smaller project in future. Analysis, I guess it depends on, on how you feel about that kind of stuff. I had great fun looking through the numbers and, and doing a bit of analysis, trying to work out what that meant. 
and doing doing the numbers, playing with my Excel spreadsheet for many, many months on end uh, to, to pull out the things that felt most pertinent um, and put it into the report. So yeah, it was a big project, but um, a fun one for me. <laughs> it, I imagine that probably one of the biggest challenges in doing something like this is knowing what what not to ask because you can come up with more questions than uh, anyone could reasonably be uh, expected to answer. And then uh, when yes. to when to draw the line in terms of analysis because you could look at uh, you can look at numbers all day. Yeah. I completely agree. And then once you're like super familiar with the numbers, you're like, oh, well, maybe this means that. And then you go totally down the rabbit hole and kind of, once you take a step back, you sort of realize that you've been <laughs> screaming at yourself. Uh, yeah, I think the, the in terms of the questions that you ask people, I think there's another thing in, in assuming a knowledge of co-working, even though they're using a co-working space and they're part of the community and they, they you feel like they should know what they're doing. And I think, yeah, you kind of need to be really neutral with using co-working terminology with your members because they can kind of misunderstand it. I've, I've actually, I found this to be a major, I don't know if it's a major issue, but I found this to be a major phenomenon in the movement that the vast majority of members of co-working spaces have very little sense of affiliation or even understanding of co-working and the movement and, and kind of what it is that they're a part of. I, I get the sense that it's very localized for them. Like I found the melting pot, the melting pot's great. That's all I need to know. I don't need to know the context in which it exists. And I get the sense, honestly, that impact reports like these could maybe start to help create a greater understanding of, no, this is actually part of something bigger. There's, there's a bigger story here. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's about, sh it's about showing value rather than telling value. I think for us in the, in the industry, because we're the ones putting it together, I think for the, for a lot of members, it kind of feels like it's something that just happens, um, which obviously it is. It's effortless for for those of us that are good at it or whatever. But um, <laughs> but that's not the point, really. You know, like there's a lot of work that goes into it. We are building a community here. It's an active process, and the reason that it feels good for them, the reason that they feel happy to just stick with the co-working space that they found, is because it's a good one, probably. Um, so yeah, rather than just saying, hey recognize that we're doing a good job here which doesn't work because we've tried that as well I think <laughs> um I think something like a survey yeah it does get them to reflect in a different kind of way um they can think about the impacts specifically that co-working is having on their life and then you can kind of show them show them the numbers and in the context in a in a more engaging format than just yeah beating them around the head of it I guess <laughs> and in terms of where you're going from here are there was there a particular outcome that you were going for in producing this report or are you going to go and take this and try to raise uh, financial support or, or help to use this to justify a new initiative or anything along those lines? Um, I mean, it's always good to have numbers and when you're talking about social impact, particularly we are a charity ourselves. So I think any kind of funding applications, we probably would reference this, but there wasn't anything specific in mind other than just we should probably be collecting this data um, you know, 12 years in, 10 years in, uh, but primarily the co-working accelerator. So we are, we're talking about our co-working methodology. We're talking about, we're telling people that it's the best way to do it. And we feel pretty confident in that, but it feels important to have numbers and data to look at, uh, to, to sort of back that up and also to apply it to different contexts. You know, if we have numbers and we can do a bit more of in-depth analysis with, with what we're doing here in our context, we can we can probably work towards applying that to 
to other people's situations, you know, you can you can do more accurate extrapolating. Um, we because we we put together the co-working canvas for the co-working accelerator, which is a cool tool. I just wrote a uh, blog series on them for National Co-working Day next week. <laughs> um, yeah, so we the report is also broken down into those six six areas to sort of back up why we think they're important and to demonstrate the value of those to to co-working members. Um, so yeah, I guess it was largely to to support the co-working accelerator. I have no doubt that it's going to lead to good things uh, that you probably can't predict. Mm-hmm. Even if you even if you were trying to predict yeah. an outcome in the beginning, it's going to lead yeah. to somewhere else. Um, you mentioned the uh, co-working canvas. Can you tell me uh, quickly a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So this came from us trying to talk about co-working like it was a, a science almost, you know, try, trying to talk about a framework of co-working. And then we realized that we actually needed a framework of co-working to do that effectively. And um, so we, we kind of spent a long time talking around what we've been doing forever, you know, and like, what is it that we are actually doing? Um, and we came up with the six areas. So there's, there's sort of three values that we think co-working is built on. So that's placemaking, building a, a place that people want to be, that people feel connected to, and um, belonging, giving people a place to like belong and actually call home and to feel like a genuine community that they, they give stuff to, they get stuff from and nurturing. So the idea that people um, need a bit of help, they need a bit, a bit of peer support, you know, like connecting people with each other and also being like a kind of, yeah, loving place for, for people to be. Um, so those are the, the values of co-working that we identified. And then the six areas that we think all co-working spaces should um you know, put, be putting active work into developing and um, to be a, a quality, like a, a good co-working space and to, to really build that community uh, as co-location. So thinking about who is sitting next to each other, like who is it that you're putting in your space? Network, so within the co-working space, who who is there? And also in the wider context of your city or um, town, who are you connecting your members with out with that? Peer support, so encouraging people to actively support each other and the work that they're doing. Uh, learning, so sort of formalish, like uh, forums for skill sharing, for um, for teaching each other things. Because you know the wisdom in a co-working community is so vast. You want to make sure that it's getting passed on. Uh, hosting, so we believe that was the role that I started with at the Melting Pot was hosting the space. So a lot of places call it community management. And we call it co-hosting. So it's just about having members of staff or potentially volunteer members of um, members of the space to be there, to be the kind of cornerstone and to look after the, the people and the physical space. And then space, the last one. Uh, you need to have a space. You've got to design it well. You've got to make sure that it fits. it's fit for purpose. It's fit for your community. Um, so you've got to put some effort into that. Time. So that's the co-working canvas, the six areas. <laughs> Amazing. I, find, I feel like that tool could be super helpful. And if um, if somebody wants to find out more about that or the other resources you provide, where would they go? Yes. Uh, so the Melting Pot website is probably the best place to start. So that's www.themeltingpotedinburgh.org.uk. And like I said, there's that blog series on the co-working canvas specifically. Um, but yeah, also we've got the social impact report on there and we've got a load of other blogs. So um, yeah, interesting stuff. <laughs> Great. And in terms of where you're going from here, now that you've got this report, oh, actually, that's a good question too, is where, when you were, when you, when you kind of looked at the results, just coming back to that real quick, uh, was there anything that 
weren't expecting to see, good or bad or indifferent, just something that stood out to you that was surprising in terms of the result? Yeah, interesting. Was I surprised by anything? I think I was a little bit surprised by, um, I guess, the answers to everything about collaboration. So we asked, like, there was a whole section on collaboration. And I, I guess because that happens amongst the members <laughs> without much intervention from us, that was kind of quite unknown to me. Like I didn't really know what to expect with that. And yeah, and we found sort of less than half of people who had collaborated with each other. And I was a little bit surprised at that because, um, you know, I was familiar with the global co-working stuff. They say it's like 70% of members tend to say that they have um, collaborated with another member. But um, yeah, upon a little bit of deeper delving, I like it tends the co-work, the collaboration definition in the global co-working survey is, uh, like small tasks. I think people were more broad in what they were describing as collaboration in that context, whereas our members seemed to be a bit fussy about it. And they, they were all talking about bigger projects because um, we asked them to tell tell us about the projects that they'd worked on. And it was all like, we did this event together or this person helped me design an app. So um, clearly they have higher standards. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that your case studies or any kind of qualitative information you'd be able to pull would be able to demonstrate kind of the depth of the collaboration and the value that's produced from them among the people who work together in your space. Yeah, we found that, um, yeah, everyone said that they were happy with the outcomes of the the collaboration, which, yeah, I guess that was surprising in a wonderful way. Like 100% of people said like that it was a positive thing to have done. So that was exciting. (laughs) Well, that's a bit of a relief. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know there'll be some awkward relationships that we'd need to nurse, I think, if (laughs) if anything went terribly wrong, but yeah. Great. And are are there any particular stories that have stood out as far as success stories that have come out of your space or out of your study? People who did collaborate and ended up doing something really exciting or or even just an individual who had kind of a life-changing experience as a result of, of, of being there? Um, yeah, I think loads. I, I think I get desensitized to these, to how big these things are. But um, yeah, we had people say that they found literally the best professional opportunities of their life from from people that they'd met at the melting pot. And um, so the person, the app that I mentioned a minute ago. So this was it's called We Seeds. So W E E seeds, like the stuff that you plant. Um, and it's a it's a mindfulness app for preschoolers. So for, for young children to work with their parents to to, to learn the skills of mindfulness and um, meditation. So Christina, yeah, she met the person that helped her design her app at the Melting Pot and um, then successfully crowdfunded the prototyping of the app. So that's now, um, yeah, available for people to work with, which, yeah, what a cool project. What a cool project and what an important cause. I feel like that kind of work is laying the foundation for a better future. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what could be better? So sp- speaking of laying that groundwork for the better future, where to from here with all these projects? What are you focused on? What's the organization focused on next? Yeah. Uh, so I am, yeah, I'm focused on doing a bit more of the social impact stuff. So I'm hoping to to get together a system that we we survey people on an ongoing basis. So um, rather than trying to get everyone to fill out a survey in the space of a month and talking about nothing other than the survey, we just get them to sit down with us once a year 
and have a chat, make sure that, you know, check in on a personal level and then get them to fill out the form because um, I think that's their approach. But that's probably the least interesting thing that the Mountain Court's doing. I'm just interested in these things. <laughs> um, we are, yeah, in, in Scotland, we're kind of keeping our eyes out for potentially a, a bigger space for, for the Mountain Court. It's nothing concrete at the moment, but we're always keeping our beady eyes open for expansion. Um, and the co-working accelerator is doing... Yeah, amazing things around the world, working with spaces who are starting up and um, seeing them thrive is, is super exciting. So we're always looking for more people that are in that sort of awkward space uh, before they start a co-working space. So it's like, it's, it's a very difficult market for us. You know, we started a, a co-working space for people in invisible industries that were really difficult to find, built the business on that, and then have started another business looking for people before they open a co-working space, uh, which, again, makes them difficult to find. But um but it's it's a really rewarding way to to work. That's great, and I feel like uh, the the work that you've done is inspiring a lot of other spaces. Obviously, you're in the business of helping uh, people start these spaces. It, it, with one of the businesses, which is always a good thing. So uh, very exciting, and excited to see where you go from here. I feel like there is a growing. I want to say there's a growing uh, effort amongst various groups in the co-working world to claim a more purposeful narrative around what co-working really means. Mm -hmm. I know I've come at it from a, a, a perspective of fostering more belonging and helping to address the epidemic of isolation. And it sounds like uh, your group is touching on that as well. So hopefully we will find more ways to collaborate with each other and keep each other inspired as we go. Yeah, definitely. Always keen to do that. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, Cleo, it was great speaking with you. I'm glad we got a chance to chat and um, keep up the amazing work. Of course. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for letting me talk about my co-working geekery. It's always good fun to me. Always good fun to me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. So there you have it, my conversation with Cleo Goodman from The Melting Pot in Edinburgh. For those of you in the UK area or willing to travel, Juicy UK is in London, September 23rd to 24th of this year, 2019. Check out the tickets now. The earlier you buy those tickets, the better. If you know you're probably gonna go or if you think you're gonna go, get the ticket. You're gonna save a lot of money if you do it sooner. You can also grab a ticket to Juicy Canada in Toronto. Um, that's October 29th to November 1st. There's also a bunch of Juicies coming up in China as well. So if China's your thing, check out juicy.co, gcuc.co for all of these upcoming events and to book your tickets and to learn more about all the other great things Juicy has going on. In the meantime, I'm Tony Bacigalupo. You can find me on Twitter, Tony B. Good, T-O-N-Y-B-G-O-O-D-E. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and until next time, keep being awesome. <laughs>